let's have a look at this first scripture. I haven't even got a title for this sermon, but I want to give you something that will give you clarity for living. Let, let me just, let me give you just something, I guess. Th- th- this is what Jesus does. He, it's the last sum, summer of his life on planet earth. And he, and he, and he needs to escape because they're after him. And he used to go to this place, Caesarea Philippi. He, he would go there because it was quiet. They would find a place and he would rejuvenate and uh, talk, be able to find quiet time. So he'd get into the hustle and bustle and he'd do business. And he'd, but then things would get a bit, little bit antsy. They'd be after him, trying to capture him. So he'd slip away. And in the last summer of, this, uh, on the, of the life of Jesus, he sits his disciples down and he says, who do you say I am? And that's where I want to go. And in that, we want to explain about five major issues. This is fantastic. You guys are new too. Who are you guys? Uh, you and you. Is that, oh, I know you. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's fantastic. And so Jesus is saying, look, you've got to understand, before I go back out and can't maybe have time to share this, but I need to bottom line you and explain something to you of what my whole intention is about. Who would like to know what the intention of Jesus and his life and why he came? And who would, who, who would like that? Just someone pull you away right now and say, actually, uh, come away with me for a moment. This is why you're here. Who would like that? Who would like a personal consultation with Jesus right now? The, 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 tomorrow, he's making appointments. Who wants an appointment tomorrow to be able to say, actually, Steve, you're here for this. Oh, right, I sort of, you know, I was barking up that tree. I just thought there was something about it. Well, actually, I'll, I'll give you clarity now. Who would like a personal consultation of the Holy Spirit, maybe to inform them actually what they're about, what they're intended to do, and why they're gifted, why they have the disposition they have, and why they've been sent, where, why they live there, why do they go to that church? All that comes down to this, what I'm about to tease out now, and I'm not going to be able to go into it thoroughly, but I at least can say this. This blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, Proverbs 3.13. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. We're always after wisdom. Wisdom is something I'll explain in the moment. The man who gains understanding is a wise man. Next. They eat the bread of the wicked and drink the wine of the violence. Well, that's certainly not the scripture I want. Go to the next one. He who gets, I don't know where that come from. Is that someone else's preach? That, that's okay. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. So if you want wisdom, you love your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Your soul is your mind, your will, the, 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 the part of you that allows you to act, to go in a direction, to do. Your, 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 your will, your mind, your will, your emotions is the part of you that gets stirred, that laughs, cries, but also gets blessed of God. So he who gets wisdom loves his soul. He who cherishes understanding promise, uh, prospers. Love that. Fantastic. Have we got another one there maybe? Um, <clears throat> where there is no revelation, I'll just have some of that water there. Where there is no revelation, I'll have my own. Where there is no revelation, now this is the key word, help me. This word, revelation, is what I want to impart to you this morning. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Law, let's replace that with the word. Keeps the word of God, the Bible, the inspired, 
utterance of God to mankind, the word, the law now, the, the, the word. Where there is no revelation, where there's no revelation, people perish. Where there's no revelation, people dwell carelessly on planet earth. Where there's no revelation of who God is and what they are in God, people use their time, use their talent, use their treasure, use their life on a lot of things that you can use your life on. Is there a lot of things to do in life? Put up your hand if there is. Is there a lot of things that you can do in a given day? Is there a lot of things that you can do with your time, your talent, your treasure? Who likes shopping? Who likes doing shopping with their money? Who likes buying food with their money? Who likes buying new things with their money? Yeah. Who likes supporting the kingdom with their money? Who likes giving to God and, and offerings to God and his people with their money? So there's a lot of things you can do with the resource. You are a divine resource. Long Jetty. I've forgotten your names already. You are a divine resource to God. He sent you here as a resource. Ephesians 1.8. Let's back it up again. Let, 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 back it up to the before. No, the, the first part of Ephesians. Is it 1.8? That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's it. Thanks, guys. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ. Good pleasure, man. It's his good pleasure to lavish on you wisdom and understanding. Would someone get up and play the keyboard in about 20 minutes, even about 15 minutes? All right. So it's his good pleasure to lavish on you at the presence conference. Sorry, you've missed it. It's his good pleasure to lavish on you at the camp and in church through the reading of the word, through worshiping, through being in the presence of God, it's his good will to lavish on you his wisdom and his understanding. Say wisdom and his understanding. What is wisdom? Let's write this down. Just maybe grab a pen, notebook. And... Wisdom is this, knowledge which sees things as they really are. Who would like that sort of stuff? Knowledge which sees things as they really are. That's what wisdom is. I love that. Uh, understanding is this discernment that leads to right action understanding is discernment that leads this way this way or that way this way or that way wisdom and understanding would be a good thing to have have in that situation wouldn't you think again wisdom is the knowledge of which sees things as they really are and understanding is discernment that leads to right action. Now, one of the key things I believe is this. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. This is a prophecy from the Old Testament. And it's about the coming of our Lord. It's about Jesus, the Anointed One, the Messiah, turning up. And it talks about this. Isaiah 11, 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. That means the anointing will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. So if you're saying, Lord, anoint me, you can actually say, anoint me with wisdom and understanding. They're one of the two benefits of being anointed. That's why you've got to be anointed in every day. 
Anoint me now, Lord. Give me wisdom and understanding in what to do, what choice to make, where to go, where to be, what friend to have, where to spend my money, what church to go to. Give me wisdom and understanding. And the anointing that was on Jesus is the anointing that can come upon you now. Who can say amen to that? The spirit of counsel and power is a part of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord is benefits that you can have in your life. And that's a precious thing. That's why in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, 19, it talks about be filled with the spirit. We need to be anointed in every day. I do this at the start of the day. Anoint me, Lord. Give me wisdom and understanding how to live my day, how to spend my time, where to be, what to do, what to touch upon, what to leave alone. Give me wisdom and understanding. Who wants some of that stuff? Wisdom and understanding is what you need. Or who's just, just trying to feel their way through life, just trying, to, just trying to do their best, and then impulse sets in, and maybe gratifying your you know, nature, your uh, soul, which is not entirely... Uh, completely altogether good sometimes. So let's check this out. So in your situation called life, you need wisdom and understanding. Right, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 16, 13, and let's start to get into this stuff. Give me 15 minutes. And you should be highlighting and underlining maybe some of these key words. There's some key words Now, Jesus, as I said in the last summer before Jesus was crucified, he gets his disciples and he brings them to himself in this quiet place and he wants to bottom line them. He wants to completely, he wants to make sure that they completely understand what this is all about, why he has come, what God the Father is trying to do and what shall come to pass, what needs to come to pass in the future. And the word church is in there, so... Be encouraged, be enticed to be excited. You could call this Peter's confession of Christ. And it comes by revelation and understanding. So let's check this out. Uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? And I want to ask you that this morning. What about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And of course, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Who believes that Christ is the son of the living God? But he uses this phrase, the son of man. And some people would say that the son of man is a reference to his humanness. Jesus was all human, but he was all divine. There's two parts of him. But there is uh, this same phrase in the Old Testament. Jesus actually said he was the son of man numerous times in the the New Testament. A, a, A lot of the time he said he was the son of man. What did he mean by that? He also allowed himself to be Lord. He also allowed himself to be Lord, called Lord. But Christ and the Messiah is another term that Jesus was known by. So we need to look at this. Let's go to Daniel's vision 
in Daniel 7. Daniel, Daniel is down the front. He's going, amen. So just turn your Bibles to Daniel. We're just going to crunch something very quickly here. Daniel 7, chapter 7. And we can see where this terminology is used. The son of man. Daniel is having a full-blown vision. Who would like to be Daniel? He, he is transported by, not Daniel here. <laughs> yeah, I saw you looking at your son. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy, but we don't, and he plays great guitar. But Daniel the prophet, say Daniel the prophet. He goes by his spirit into heaven. He actually goes into heaven and has a full-blown vision, a real vision, but not just something out there, but a real vision. So let's check this out. Daniel chapter 7, verse, help me, verse, yeah, 13. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. So you can underline that, son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Remember the clouds. Remember this son of man. Daniel's looked up. He's looking up now. And he sees the holy host. He's in the throne room now. And he sees the smoke. He sees the cloud. He sees someone coming in through the clouds. And it's one that appears like the son of man. This is someone. He's the key Man, he is man. He is God man. He is the son of God, the son of man. And Daniel's looking at this and he says in scripture, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. He approached father God and was led into his presence. He was led into the presence of Father God. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. Every knee shall bow, amen. Every knee shall bow. Because it, it all belongs unto him now. The dominion is an, the kingdom is an everlasting dominion, an everlasting kingdom that will not pass away. And his kingdom is that will never be destroyed. So his kingdom is his governance, is the reality of this world now that exists, like a parallel universe that exists on the planet. I don't know if you've seen that. What was it called, Phil Cairns? Help me. Matrix. Matrix. It, it could be a little bit like that. There's a reality be, behind and around in us that exists by God's will, God's order, which is called his kingdom. And as you subscribe to that, and as you live in it, and as you walk by it, you become totally prospered, anointed, fulfilled in an extravagant life. Who believes that? So the Son of Man is revealed in the Old Testament. He sees... Now, who is it? Let's go to Acts quickly. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts 1, 9 says, And he said this. This is Jesus now before his final ascension. He's been crucified. He's, he's come to the day. And he's come to this place now where he's going to be ascended. Finally leave the planet. He's appeared 
to disciples. He's appeared to 500 people after he was crucified. And here we are at Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. Jesus starts to leave the planet. And there's these angels surrounding him. And a cloud of glory hid him from their sight. Daniel, in the Old Testament, the vision that we just read, is seeing Jesus ascended and now coming up into heaven. Ascended. Now, and now Daniel's seeing Jesus. He's seeing the future event, the prophecy of Jesus coming up by clouds and coming up into heaven. And here he comes. And one like the Son of Man comes through the clouds and is taken to the, the right seat of the Father and he's been given all dominion, all glory, all power. And every tongue and every nation shall bow their knee now to the lordship, to the kingship of Jesus Christ. Daniel actually saw this future event happening. The son of man. So that's your first, that's your first word that you need to grab out of there. Now let's go back to Matthew uh, chapter 16. The next is this. The Messiah. And it says here in uh, verse 19, what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And verse 16, sorry, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, which virtually means the Messiah, the son of the living God. The Jews didn't understand that this was really Jesus. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. The, the Jews didn't realize that Jesus was going to have to die on the cross. They ignored him. They dispelled his, uh, dispelled his um, uh, declaration that he was the son of God. They said, no, you're not. The Messiah wouldn't be like this. They didn't see that he was the fulfillment in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant that would have to be crucified. The Jews, the religious leaders of the day, didn't realize this. And so... They missed it. Daniel's vision. The Christ, the Son of God. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christians actually believe that prophecies in the Hebrew Bible refer to a spiritual savior, partly evidenced in passages from Isaiah 7.14, which read like this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. So the Messiah now from Old Testament is one that is the anointed king. Say anointed king. Jesus in fact says himself, we have found, or John in the Gospel of John says in John chapter 1 verse 41, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. The Jews didn't believe it. They didn't believe that he was the word made flesh. And that's fundamentally what we believe, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Messiah, that he did come, that he paid a price that was needed to be paid for. Now he is the Messiah, the Christ, the King. Third one, the third word. I'm going to crunch this now. The third word is revelation. And this is what everyone needs to have here right now. And especially in this time in which we live. 
Now, let's go to verse 17. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Revelation is a disclosement from God through his word or through an angel. Mary had an angel come to her. Uh, Revelation is more so for me now by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. And that's why you need to allow the Holy Spirit to be welcome around your life, to, to give you clarity of understanding, to uh, give you understanding and wisdom where you are right now. Where am I right now? What does this time mean to me? What am I doing this for? What, what am I going through this for? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you that wisdom and understanding. And Jesus says there, as a third key to do life, revelation is what we need. Without revelation, we're going to perish. We're going to dwell carelessly. We're, the Bible says we're ungovernable. We can't find our groove. We can't find our place of belonging. People don't step up and serve the church if they don't have divine revelation of what church is all about. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The anointing gives us wisdom and understanding by revelation. Supernatural. Let's just pray right there, right now. Father, I'm asking that you would supernaturally reveal your inspired word to me. Lord, somehow, some way, that you'd give me illumination, revelation, and wisdom for the days that I live in. Open my eyes. Open my mind. Remove every veil of my, my mind, my eyes. Open my ears to know what you are saying. The fourth one is the kingdom. The kingdom. Okay, here it is, 17. Jesus replied, blessed is you. Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by, by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The next one I want to give you is kingdom, that governance I was talking about, the reality of his mercy and his grace that was released from the cross of Calvary. His grace that is in this building right now, his grace that is in this church and around your life. His mercy, His grace, His power, His anointing, His presence is all about His kingdom. His kingdom is coming. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We bring down Your kingdom, Lord God. We bring it down in prayer. And Lord, we earth Your will. It says that if we follow the Beatitudes, the Bible says in the Beatitudes, if we study the Beatitudes and do the Beatitudes, that we are bringing the kingdom to pass, that we walk in the kingdom. The kingdom, according to Jesus, the kingdom of God is within the people, is approached through understanding and entered through, accepted like a child. It's a spiritual birth into a, a new existence, a new creature in Christ. You become this extraordinary creature, this extraordinary person, this now created image of God living in the spirit, embellished, anointed, enlivened, empowered by God in an extraordinary way. 
And the Bible says, with that wisdom and understanding and revelation, you enter through like a child into the kingdom of God, doing the will of God. Modern scholars see the concept of the kingdom as the main message of Jesus. The seed that must be sown in the hearts of men was also identified as the word of the kingdom by Jesus. Matthew 13 verse 19. Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount shows that those who follow the Beatitudes are rewarded with the kingdom of God, inheriting the earth. Jesus even taught his disciples to pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some believe this defines the kingdom as the time when God's will is done on the earth as it is done in heaven. The coming of God's kingdom described as judgment is also described in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Revelation as a military conquest or a, a colonization, I would rather call it, over every opponent, every darkness, every sin. And that's what's happening right now. God's kingdom is coming through the life of the church. It's coming through you and I. We're displacing darkness from kids, prisoners' kids who have been living in an environment of darkness. A great program that you guys served kept those kids in the crucible of God's love, in the kingdom of God. And we said to those kids, basically, this is God's kingdom. And those kids would have said, what is this? Jesus? I don't want Jesus. No, you don't understand. This is about the love of God. Because the kingdom is about the love of God. The number one law of the kingdom is the love of God. That's why we got to get our friendliness happening. That's why we got to get our handshake happening, our love, our generosity of our life. The number one reality of the kingdom of God is our love and our ability to forgive others and allow this love to be perpetuated even into prisoners' kids who are stubborn, feral maybe, hard-hearted, disappointed in life at such a young age. But here comes the kingdom. Here comes the kingdom of, of God's love through these servants, these servants of righteousness. And they're just, they're not going to make them jump through hoops of religion. They're just saying, just believe. Just believe. Trust and acknowledge the kingdom, the Lord Jesus. And we can see what happened. And of course, the next word I wanted to give to you is the church. The word church. Can you see it? And I will build my church. The church, God's master project. I will build my church. Do you wonder what's on God's desk in heaven? What is number one? Father God, there he is in heaven. What's on his desk? What is he busy, busy with? This is what I believe. He's busy with building the church. His number one project is building the church. The church is an ordained an ordained concept by God to allow people to come into a pasture of his love, to be fed, to be nurtured, but then to be put into families, to be put into teams, living stones built together as a holy temple unto the Lord, offering spiritual sacrifices to God in our worship, in our praise, in our love for God. But we come together as teams like the camp and we worship. I mean, we, we, we extend our love through teams. We extend the kingdom of our love, of our hospitality, of our ministry through teams. Church is really about this. It's mobilizing a people into teams to worship the living God and push out the light of his goodness, the light of the glory of God. And we're pushing that out. We're pushing it out through the suburbs, down into the streets, down into the homes, down into the hearts of people. 
that's what church is honestly about. Church, get a revelation of the church. Ephesians 3.10, I'm nearly done. His intent was that now. His intent. You know when you've got an intention? I've got an intention. Blokes get bent on something and they get a mind for something and someone, a young person gets a heart for something, an intention for something. God says this in Ephesians 3.10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose his eternal purpose so this figured the church figured for all eternity according to his eternal purpose he factored in this place this place this awesome house this is none other than the house of God this is none other than a gateway unto heaven how awesome is this place and with our faith we allow a portal. We allow Jacob's ladder to slip down out of heaven and angels ascending and descending, miracles, needs being met, signs and wonders, healings, limbs, people's faith, grace and mercy all come down into a place called church. Church becomes this place of the miraculous. Church becomes a place of his presence. Who's with me? Who's with me? Church becomes a supernaturally enhanced place where people, even just sitting there, are becoming realigned with God, recovered in God, revived in God, filled in God. Something about this spiritual gym called church where I'm finding composure, getting definition in my body. You know what happens when you go to the gym? You get definition in your abs, six-pack, posture goes up, mind's cleared, thank you. Mind becomes cleared. I went, sw I went swimming in the hotel, the Goldsboro, and swimming, I'm just... Then I got onto the weights. I haven't done the weights for a long time. I started to do the weights in the gym there. And I'm, and I, man, I'm starting to feel... Wow, yeah, I'm feeling alive. I'm getting composure in my body. Sitting in conference hour after hour, I said to Jill's man, because we're used to walking every day, sitting in conference hour after hour, you start to get flabby and sloppy in your mind. You can't think. And you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know who you are, what you are. Into the gym, swimming, pump weights, and now I'm ready to rock and walk into that convention center, man, like I'm a man on a mission. Yeah. What's this guy running on? I'm running on some gym. I'm running, not gin. I'm running on some gym. I'm running on some gym. I'm running on lots of God. I'm running on the mind of Christ. I'm running on the oxygen of heaven. Let's all stand. God bless you. The glorious church. God is making his church holy cleanse. A united church. A purposeful church. A united church. You look in the book of Ephesians, it tells you all this stuff. It's an awesome church. It's an awesome plan. It's God's master project. Church means this, a group of people called out of their homes. Church means this, folks. Get this. Church means this. The biblical interpretation of church. 
a group of people called out of their homes to gather together for an important meeting in the city. God's people called out of darkness into his kingdom, into his church, into these purposes and plans of God. That's what we're doing. We're called into the kingdom, into the church, into the light, into the purposes and the plans of God to rock this city, to rock this nation for Jesus. That's what church is about. It's a powerful church. It's a glorious church. It's a victorious church. We're going to overcome sin and disease. We're going to overcome the depravity of life, the despondency of life. We're going to overcome discouragement. And we're going to become reappointed to our top shelf calling and purpose in God. And I declare over you this morning, I declare you to be revived, to be reappointed, realigned, encouraged, set ablaze and on fire for the purposes of God demanded in this day for you to be set ablaze in God. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom, the glory, the power and his wisdom and understanding should be revealed in this hour to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. This is the kingdom. This is the church. And I want to give you some more, but discipleship's in there in that whole chapter. That's your homework. And the second coming is also in there. The Bible says in Psalm 110 verse 3, your troops will be willing in the day of power. On your day of battle, Lord, arrayed in holy majesty, from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. That means God's church is arising like a new day dawn, like a dawning of a new day across the nations. The church is arising and it's shining brightly. And you people are the church. You people represent the heart of the church. God's number one master project is building the church. If you are helping build the church, you are absolutely fulfilling what God has sent you to this earth to do. If you are building the church, if you're running the guest speakers around Garth and, and Shafra, uh, them around and, and, uh, and you're protecting them and, and, and you're standing at the door and greeting them with a smile and you're, um, you're serving at the door, you're doing serving coffee or whatever you do in the life of the church. And by the way, the youth group starts again this Friday. Friday again, it rocks again in Friday, this Friday coming. Youth is back in this place. And, and, and Andrew, every leader that you have that is stepping up to leadership. And some of you went for scholarship down there, I was led to believe. Jason, you went for scholarship down at the conference. We had, we had, again, in the scholarship, because they give a scholarship away, $5,000. And how many of our, and in the top 5%, our church always makes it. And I had the people come up to me and say, your people that you breed down there are incredible. You're incredible. So they ring us up and they ask us what these people are like, but the final choice is with them. And of course, a great young man was chosen. But you know what, this morning, let's close our eyes. friend precious one God so loves you God so loves you 
Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is our Savior. He's the King of glory, the Prince of peace. He is our Lord and Savior. If you can acknowledge that this morning, if you can acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your life, you can be included in the greatest plan, the greatest purposes, the most noble purposes this world could ever know. And that is being in God's family, serving Him, loving Him, worshiping Him, serving Him. If that's you this morning, if you just simply want to say, Jesus, I recognize what you did on the cross. I believe you walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross for my sin so that I may be connected to you, God. If you can say that this morning, you can be saved, the Bible says, from darkness into light. That's what the Bible says, from darkness of not understanding why you're alive, darkness of being vague, not wise, why you're alive. I'm talking about wisdom and understanding. If you want wisdom and understanding, God wants to anoint you right now. Young person, God wants to anoint you right now. God wants to give you revelation knowledge why you're gifted like you are. Why you, you, who you are, why you are. God wants to give you revelation knowledge in your heart of hearts.